first-time viewers. Over two decades since the release, it's still considered a thought-provoking cult classic. Murders, mysteries, unexplained stories, and our family's crazy opinions on them all. Join us now. The Family School of Thought is in session. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Family School of Thought. I hope everybody's had a good week. We got a lot going on this week, so we're a little bit tired and dragging. But uh, Dee and I just got back from Austin, where it was uh, 120 degrees. And we came back to 50 degrees, so we're, our heads are spinning. But um, how's everybody else's week going? Cass, how's it going out there in Portland? Going good. Pretty good weather. We're on Labor Day vacation now, so just going to have oh. a very nice... You are on Labor Day? So you're on vacation until after Labor Day? Until after Labor Day, yeah. Wow. Well, nice. I would have made you go home if I hadn't known that. <laughs> we can come out here. Wow. All right. Jess, how about you? You had a pretty exciting week. Yeah, it's been a um, busy week. You're yeah. in San Diego. This week? Well, oh, that yeah. Well, that was a, that was like a couple weeks no, we, ago. We get some point here in San Diego. We yeah, have filmed so, for a couple of weeks, so you gotta yeah, get all since, of it. In since there. we last, yeah, so we went to San Diego. We had beautiful <laughs> weather there, but it was very humid, and um, we left the day, the morning that the hurricane made landfall in California, um, Hurricane Hillary, and then. Um, so that was on Saturday night that it hit. We were there Saturday morning. We flew out um, to come back home. And then Sunday they had the earthquake. So yeah, we, we left just in time. We were but, like, thank God they got home. Yeah. So yeah, we, we, and then we were home for a few days and Odin started school and now he's in school all day, every day for the first year. So your mother's cried every day. Yeah. Well. Odin cried the first day on his way home. But Did he? Yeah. He, I'm just so tired. Oh. He's yeah, been doing good. It is. But he's been doing good really well um, since. And 8.30 rolls around and we say, okay, it's bedtime. And he's asleep by usually like 8.45. So. Oh, good. Good, yep. good. Yep. So. Good. All right. Yeah, so it's it's been busy and active. We've been just trying to get back into a school routine with him, but we had all those storms come through before you guys left for Texas. We yeah. had bad storms in Michigan with tornadoes and stuff. So we left with no power in our house. We just up and yeah. left. <laughs> and then when we got home, the TV was running and oh, the lights were on, but I was able to shut them off through Alexa. Yeah. And uh, oh, the downstairs the disco lights were on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but um, thankfully everything went fine. Down Texas, though, we were so so busy, and like I said, it literally was between 105 and 120 every day. Yeah. And we were going, getting in the car, out of the car, in the car, out of the car, in the house, back and forth. It was like it really knocked you out. We went and seen Pink Floyd. This band, obviously, was a cover band, but it was just phenomenal. I mean, it was better than any Pink Floyd concert. It really was because you guys would have been this, but back like in the brick wall day, the recordings and, and the videos were so awesome. But to see them live, they couldn't do all that stuff live. You know what I mean? It was all generated in the studios and stuff. Well, now they can. So it was just like, it was just awesome. Absolutely awesome. I definitely it was music as it was supposed to be heard and seen. Yeah, yeah. yeah all the lasers and you guys probably don't know, but they had like these big people, like mock people, in the, you know, kind of going over the audience, and it was just, it was unbelievable. It was really, 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 really good. So I have some videos. So, anyways, enough about um, all the fun we had. Um, <laughs> well, you can. It, look forward to next week because we're supposed to have, be back up in the 90s, possibly hundreds um, for temperature next week. So Yeah, on Labor Day when we're up north. 
hopefully we'll be out on the water or something. Um, Jess, get us going. All right. Yeah. So I have a history's unexplained mystery calendar. Um, this one is the Death Valley Sailing Stones. Um, have you guys, are any of you guys heard of those? No. I've seen them because, of course, Matt likes to watch the History Channel and all these weird things. So I've heard about them before. But in Death Valley, the hottest place on Earth, we're talking about heat and temperature, hottest place on Earth. is Austin, Texas. Well, this is not Austin, Texas. It's in Death Valley. There are stones that move across the desert floor, seemingly being propelled by no power other than on their own. Um, though no one has ever reported witnessing the rocks moving and their movement, they leave trails as, as they mysteriously move, um, their moves swerve as, um, serve as concrete and, oh my gosh, start that one over. They leave trails and their movements serve as concrete evidence of this phenomenon. So, Nobody's ever witnessed the the stones moving, but because they, there's trails that are left behind, I mean, it, it shows that they move. Though most of the rocks are small, the largest of them have left trails of over uh, 1,500 feet as they travel across the valley. Scientists have struggled to explain the strange occurrences, and they have yet to agree upon one answer of what, what it's causing but many propose that it might have to do with a perfect combination of ice, water, and wind working to move the stones. Um, visitors of Death Valley National Park can see the stones, but the park serv service asks that the stones in their paths be left undisturbed. So I think you can go and like view it, but you can't get into that area to like touch them and stuff. But right. um, I've seen it like it was like an episode on the History Channel of some unexplained mysteries series or whatever but yeah i've seen it and it is it's they leave they're unmistakable trails so you can see it but i always thought that's kind of the same with the perfect combination of the ice water and wind where it's like if you set a glass it's like got condensation if you set it and like kind of touch it it'll glide across right. you know on right. its own um that's what i kind of think but you think how is I ice also think and water Maybe, like, yeah, like a lot of something too. Yeah, uh, like stone has like magnetic particles or, or like metal particles, and then like the, obviously the tectonic plates are yeah, right, and the cause a yeah. magnetic well, field. It, I don't mean to cut you off, but there is. I was just reading something yesterday. I swear that they um you've all heard about you. They were talking about the pyramids and stuff, and about heat and vibration. They feel like that's how they move them. There is a technique of vibrations making a sound vibration that that's how they were able to move these and they're really they're onto something i don't know what it is but where they it's heat and vibrations where they can move these big boulders with nothing so you know maybe it's a bit of that if it's not yeah. there could be a bit of everything right 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 interesting though it is weird that like no scientists can come up with a well somehow they're on to some theory just now, I mean, we've all heard about this before, but somehow they're on a theory that they can prove that it's vib it's vibrations that make it move. Yeah. But that, he has something to do with it, too. Yeah, that could make sense, too. But there you go. You have uh, stones in Death Valley that move and propel themselves across the valley by themselves. Awesome. Awesome. All I can think of is like an like a etch a sketch or like the like Zen gardens yeah. where you basically have like the marble that like goes into a pattern yeah. under uh, on top of a magnet. Huh. Cool. Cool. Do you have any more for us or that it? No, just that one. All right. Trying to, Very good. I like that. Trying to make it quick. I do have another thing though. Have you guys been seen in the news where um uh the Loch Ness monster they're like trying to do the biggest investigation into it that they've done in the last 50 years so maybe we'll have some answers soon huh maybe not <laughs> yeah. maybe. but supposedly that's you know I'm sure going somebody, on or going on. I'm sure somebody there every time they watch Oak Island or any mm -hmm. of these shows they're like damn yeah. we need to get together <laughs> yeah. yeah right 
Okay. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll find that. Maybe, maybe they will find some secret passage to another world where that's right. that's where it's coming from. Yeah. Okay. All right, Cass. Hit us with the song. All right. Well, so today's song is a little bit special because it is related to our topic that we're talking about. Um, and it's but it also is not very creepy. It is just a weird fact. And it was um it the the creation of the song has a very interesting background. Um, but so this song is the killing moon by Echo and the Bunnymen. And it is the beginning song of Donnie Darko. So this is the opening song of Donnie Darko. If you saw it, if you saw the theatrical version in theaters or like DVD, um, anything like that, because they did change it in the director's cut, um, they replaced the song. Um, and I kind of feel like it was a bad choice, but I do see where the director was going with the choice. Um, but so The Killing Moon, was written in 1984 so this was like long before Don- it wasn't written for donnie darko um but it has very very many like uh, coincidences and similarities between it uh, i think one of the reasons that they chose this song um was because of the you know chorus where it says fate up against your will um through thick and thin um which is constantly talking in the movie donnie darko which we will talk about you know he is questioning whether this is supposed to happen and if he can fight fate. So it's probably the perfect song to open the movie with. Um, But so Ian McCulloch, I'm really sorry if I said that wrong, Um, but he said that this song was half written by God because... Oh, no. I feel like... I feel like that always happens to me when I am talking about things. God, that maybe is, I shouldn't. God is God. God doesn't want me to talk about this, but <laughs> so this song came to him in a dream and it was the exact chorus. He said he literally woke up like shot up out of bed and all he could think was fate up against your will um, through thick and thin. He will come uh, and he will wait until you give your, give yourself in. And so he and he said that this was a line that you would never just dream of and remember. So it's something that he needed to put into a song. Um, and so it's a very weird, like that's I mean, for it to be so specific that that was the line that he had to write, and it became kind of a cult hit. Obviously, it was big enough to be in a movie like Donnie Darko, which is themes are about going against God and going against faith and fate. Um, so it's very interesting. And I just like that it's by Echo and the Bunnymen, which right. if you know anything about Donnie Darko, the antagonist is a Bunnyman. Wow. You know, I, I've been watching lots of versions, or not lots of versions, but watching from different places. And there is a version out there where the song starts... So the the in the director's hearing before it wasn't like I don't ever remember hearing. Yeah, it's a very both of them are very common songs. They are very like indie films. Like a lot of indie films use them for like you know the the same kind of themes like going against fate and stuff like that. Um, But the song that the director chose in the director's cut is called "Never uh, uh, Never Tears Apart" um, by NXS. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And yeah. I think so. I think it was a worse. I I think the Killing Moon was a better choice because again, like the themes are about fate and faith. Um, but, everything about this movie you don't know, right? Well, and here's the That's thing: is here's the thing is that the director specifically chose a new song, and I think he specifically chose it for the fact he put it in the opening scene because of something that happens while Donnie's riding a bike. There's a lyric that hits. The exact second something okay. happened. You know, like, I'm never going to be able to stop watching this movie. <laughs> so uh, we won't talk. I don't want to talk about it until we get to that theory. Wow. Um, because it, it's very much like the reason he switched the songs was because there's a point where something happens while Donnie's riding the bike that it, the lyrics match up kind of. Because I don't mean to cut you off either, but <laughs> when you're watching that version, that song clearly does not go with the movie. Right, like, right. It seems different. Song. It's a yeah. good song. And of course, you know, Mad World is what I thought you were going to talk about. 
I you know I almost did, but I think the killing the killing moon because it's like the opening song. I think it's really important. You know, Mad World is at the end, which is the closing. You know, but that Um, song was not written for this movie either. It was no song, no. But it all made sense to this movie. Yeah. But now I've got two other songs in my head that are like, yeah. The the thing about I I mean for me especially. Uh, what I love about Donnie Darko is the soundtrack is so good. And this, every song means something. If you really think about it, if you listen to the lyrics, it means something in the film, you know? Yeah. So I really we like the, the CD soundtrack. We do have the CD somewhere. I think it was Jordan's. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Now I've got more things to think about. I'm going to have to keep watching. Oh, yeah, I'll and talk about Never Tears Apart. Later on, I don't want to give that one away because this is about the killing moon. Um, but yeah, this wow. apparently this song was half written by God. It's crazy. Wow. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah, I like I said, I'm, we're never going to be able to stop and go, okay, we got it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh no, you're constantly going to mention one more thing comes up, and you're like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's a brilliant, brilliant movie. I mean, geez, if you think about it, and it's a real cult. Yeah, created a big cult base. So, okay, all right. Geez, anything else? Not right. All right, D. It's up to you now to explain this movie to us. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try to do my best, (laughs) but um, October second, eighteen nineteen eighty eight. Trouble, a troubled teen named Donnie da- Donald Donnie Draco sleepwalks outside, led by a mysterious voice. Once outside, he meets a figure in a monstrous rabbit costume named Frank, who tells Donnie that the world will end in precisely 28 days, 6 hours, 42 minutes, and 12 seconds. Donnie wakes up the next morning on the green of the local golf course and returns home to discover a jet engine has crashed into his bedroom. His older sister, Elizabeth, tells him the FAA investigators do not know its origin. Origin. Um, Over the next few days, Donnie continues to have visions of Frank and his parents, Eddie and Rose, send him to a psychiatrist psychiatrist, psychotherapist, um, Dr. Truman. Truman believes Donnie is detached from the reality and that his version of Frank are daylight, hallucinations, symptomatic or paranoid, schizophrenia. Frank asks Donnie if he believes in time travel, who in turn asks his science teacher, Mr. Kenneth Monitor, Montanoff, Montanoff, I don't know, I might pronounce that. Um, He gives Donnie the uh, philosophy of time travel, a book written by Roberta Sparrow, a former science teacher at the school, who is now a seemingly senile old woman living outside of town, known to the local teenagers as Grandma Death. So... The film creates a foggy atmosphere, making the ending more confusing for the first time viewers. Over two decades since the release, it's still considered a thought-provoking cult classic. Frank doesn't appear until the tangent universe comes into existence. And can life and death coexist? Do you believe that it can? Mm-hmm. He wasn't hallucinating. Frank's ob- objective is to guide Donnie in the path to Frank's objective is to guide, uh, sorry, is to guide Donnie in his path to correcting the timeline of the primary universe. 
by returning the jet engine to its original universe. So if, you know, he does this, he chooses to die so that others can live. It's about adolescence and to, con and to confusion of it all. Donnie travels back in time to the starting point of the movie, going back to bed and allowing himself to be hit by the falling jet engine. He does this because with the death of falling jet engine, he does this because oh, with the death, nobody will expose Cunningham, which they found out after the engine bombed or landed in his bed that Cunningham was a pornograph. Pornograph. It was a child pornography. Right. Yeah. Meaning the circumstances that led to Donnie's mother and sister to be on that doomed flight won't happen. Simply put, the tangent universe that Frank the rabbit warns Donnie about is the separate alternate reality. Do you guys believe that? Donnie doesn't explain the tangent universe comes into an existence. It's one of the many things in the movie that are deliberately left a mystery. So there's, if you watch it, it's, it's all a mystery and everything keeps going back and forth. But Donnie's role is to sacrifice himself to being an object. Now, this is my point of view. Um, the jet propeller engine from the tangent universe back home where it belongs. Donnie is the only person able to close the tangent universe before it destroys his reality, but it will cost him his life. And when you guys watch the movie, is that how you feel? Or did you get a different aspect of it? Or there's so many different well, views. Yeah, there's a million different angles to this. Yeah, right. And so, I know when we talked about this in our podcast a few podcasts ago before we had our little hiatus i think i brought up time travel somebody right. else brought up alternate universe but in reality and then like the his schizophrenia um for with seeing the psychiatrist but in reality it's all of it it's all combined to create this story that like you don't really know what's going on what's causing this but it's like all working in the same timeline basically so all versions are happening at the same time right exactly yeah. yeah and the producer did that on purpose yeah to you know make everybody wonder and have different theories and right when i was gonna i was gonna say too before we kind of jump into it give some like a little bit of donnie darko was um directed written it was written and directed by richard kelly and it was produced by flower films which is drew barrymore's production company right. um mm -hmm. and um i did kind of read up on this a little bit there was a lot of people that like the producers didn't want to back this and drew barrymore was really the reason this movie ended up getting made um, and it the film premiered on January nineteenth, two thousand one, at the Sundance Film Festival, and then it it was followed by a limited theatrical release on October twenty sixth, and it was only released very in very few theaters because the film's advertising featured the crashing plane, um, and that was right after September eleventh happened right. in the United States. Um, so it was just a, a little over a month after that happened, a month and a half later. Um, so they didn't want to advertise the movie very much. So it got very little advertisement, which that actually affected the box office performance of this movie. So it only grossed just about 517,000, just over 517,000. Oh my gosh, are you kidding? In its initial run. Yeah. yeah. So less than like just over a half million in its initial run. 
Um, and then, but it received very positive reviews and it was listed as number two in Empire's 50th greatest independent films of all time. Um, yeah, and number 53 on the Empire's 500 greatest films of all times. So it's ranked very high, got a lot of great reviews. Um, but, uh, you know, it just didn't get the, in the theaters, it didn't produce very well. So, um, but then it went on to, you know, be put out onto, um, oh shoot, uh, VHS tapes. I can't remember what those are called. Um, and then, you know, DVDs. And then when it went, it gro- ended up grossing, um, it, it got reissued and it went on to gross $7.5 million worldwide. And then the film earned more than $10 million in the United States home video sales. And that's when it gained its um, cult following. So after it was like basically released into, you know, um, VHS DVD videos for home sales. Wow. That's interesting. So, and then in 2004, that's when um, the director Richard Kelly released um, his director's cut which is obviously a longer version, but um, it, it kind of explains where he was going with it a little bit more. I didn't watch the director's cut. So if you guys watch that, if you want to fill in on anything with that, but kind of like with your music where he changed some of the stuff or mm-hmm. um, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And then did you guys know it was adapted into a stage production in 2007? Oh, I didn't no, I didn't know that. I was kind of yeah. a sequel, but I didn't know. Yeah, it. and so the sequel, there's a sequel, S. Darko. Um, yeah, and um, that was followed in 2009, uh, 2009, but it was without Richard Kelly's involvement. But mm-hmm. in 2021, he announced that he's in the works of producing or you know, working on a new sequel for this movie, which eh, I'm kind of hesitant on. Yeah, sometimes leave it alone. It's yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, right, the right. reason that it's such a great movie is because it's you know there's nothing you like. There's more no you notes. can do. No notes. Yeah, it's great. I did know that Drew Barrymore's um, company made it, and at the time she has you know of course she was a child actor, right? She was kind of doing some crazy stuff, and Hollywood had kind of disowned her, you know, so she couldn't get into any movies. So she decided to make some movies. Mm-hmm. This was like one of her first movies that she she had made the movie. She you know, produced it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. and she did a fantastic job in the movie. She's a fantastic actress to begin with. Yeah, she like, is. Did a fantastic yeah. job in that movie. I um, had forgotten that she was in it, but you know, yeah. And then I'm like, oh. So yeah. what do so you guys really... think? Her part in the movie. <laughs> where did she come in on this movie? I mean, what was her purpose? See, uh, here's the thing. I think everyone's purpose is to get Donnie to die. Mm -hmm. Um, And some people, so people who die in the Tangent Universe, which is what basically the movie is set in, they remember that they're not supposed to be dead. Like they, so even like Frank and even at the end, his mom, his mom realizes that he is the reason that they're all like this because she dies in the end. Right. Um, so everybody who basically dies is trying to get Donnie to reset the universe so that they don't die. So everybody um, in the movie is in but, Drew's, but Drew's character, we don't know what happens to her, but she seems to be basically, she's almost setting up the plot everything right. that she talked about in that short story from the beginning and throughout the whole movie is coincidental of it's foreshadowing of what is going right. to happen to Donnie. right right the game so she is setting up the story basically huh. and, and when the, she uh, gets fired at the end she's upset because she still has work to do but she can't do it anymore right oh Okay. So when she got fired, it wasn't so much she lost her job. Her job wasn't done yet. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I do know the poem is written by whoever is written by their birthday played a part in this movie too. The date of their birthday. I can't remember what it was, but it played somehow played a part in there. It's like every little thing plays a part somewhere. It's a genius movie. 
So, okay, but now how about this. Drew Barrymore and the teacher. Mm-hmm. First of all, right, even the first time I seen it, I'm like, really, you just happen to have a book about time travel on you. you know? Right. <laughs> and even if you were into time traveling and knew about it, like you'd have to go somewhere and get the book. You're not carrying it around with you every day. And and the the author is a pretty legendary person in town. I think it's a crazy Yeah, right. I right. guess what I think is so funny is that it's the former science right. teacher at school. Right, right, right. So I just didn't play right. But what what was it between him and her? You know, in the end, you find out that they were together. What's that got to do with anything? Well, they were together the whole film. Is that what you're saying? Like the two teachers? I didn't know through the whole film. They're constantly know. together. Like they're literally constantly yeah, like walking yeah, into school together, sitting together. It's just two teachers. It's not like they're a couple. They are a couple though. I know. I know that now because at the end of the movie, it shows them in bed, right? So, but throughout the movie, it's just two teachers. Or is it? Or is it? So, other than the child pornography guy, Patrick, who was played by Patrick Swayze, Patrick Swayze, and isn't that the way it always goes? The people that just idolize some weirdo. Yeah, (laughs) but that's another question of the movie: is do you actually believe he was a child pornographer, or was it something that was set up because of the tangent universe? Well, Well, I always took it as he was up. Create all this but I I always took it as you know in the reality or in the tangent universe he was discovered because Donnie didn't die. We're in the the actual um, universe and actual reality because when Donnie dies, his he doesn't get his right aren't discovered. So he's still a child, you know, a child pornographer. He just isn't the they don't discover that about him. Right. It stays a secret. So, what else in that movie did Donnie Darko expose by not dying? He didn't expose anything. He was trying to. Yeah, I don't think he leave his mom, and he knew that his mom was going to die in the end. So, well, the whole, yeah, I don't think he knew his mom was going to die. I think his mom knew she was going to die. Right. Well, the whole like, thing too is that last like, scene together. She's like very clearly upset. She doesn't want to leave him alone. Right. And it's not just like a oh my like my son who's got mental problems. Okay. Like she's clearly saying goodbye to him. Um, right. But that was another so she thing. knows more. That was another thing. Right from the first time I watched this, is like really you're gonna leave town with your son in his condition to go mm-hmm. off on this dance trip that you don't even have any interest in doing. By a lady right, right. stand, you know, mm-hmm. like it just didn't make sense that she would be doing this. But anyways, in the end, when the plane was crashing with mom and daughter, mm-hmm. yeah, was that yeah. them being killed, or was that the end of the world? I think it was them being killed. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think the end of the world was really going to happen. I think right. because that's the thing is uh, Frank is killed by Donnie in the end, right. and so his whole objective is to basically make sure Donnie dies before everything can happen and before he can die. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think the end of the world was actually going to happen. I think it was just like a fear tactic to get Donnie to go towards the path that he wanted him to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's like with it, any time travel thing, you have that butterfly effect. If he right. doesn't die, this is what, this is the path for, that everybody takes. And then they're in that tangent universe on that that path because of him not dying and it's that like n- this isn't a real reality this isn't supposed to be happening to us kind of thing and that's what i don't know that maybe that's why frank shows up for him too well i mean i guess he shows up before too but yeah i don't know i mean i think I think it's all like a it, it it like like that I've talked about with the song before. Like it's all whether or not you can go against fate. Like yeah. could Donnie Darko really have not done it and just said you know screw it and not left, right. or 
was there no was he was he doomed because basically his parents have that conversation uh right after the like the engine falls into his room and he doesn't die like they talk about how a friend of theirs from high school got in a car accident and everyone in town basically said he was doomed to die then right you know he was doomed to that so like was donnie the entire time doomed was whether or not he wanted to go back was he doomed to go back yeah when I yeah. guess that's where I was getting at. It was like he like becomes like where they're they're thinking he's got schizophrenia because he was doomed to die and he didn't. And then it's just like they can't balance his mental state because he he's not supposed to be there. Well, so something I heard, and I couldn't really find like a theory about it. It was just like somebody talking about it was that basically once he went to the tangent universe, they the medication was a placebo so his medication oh, wasn't working gotcha. so like all the medication he would have actually had wasn't working which is why he was actually able to see all okay. like frank and the like okay. you know all right the, so he really had schizophrenia yes in real life yeah gotcha. oh okay and now he doesn't really need them or the medicine won't work because he's not in that same Right. Yeah. We well because we know that he That's was why the psychiatrist says you can stop taking the pills now because they're just placebos. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, in the, uh, so at the beginning, we know that he is really schizophrenic. We know that he has mental issues because at the beginning of the movie, before the engine even falls, it, they have that family dinner scene where he says, you know, he tells his sister, "You can go to therapy, and mom and dad can pay for your, you know, He's medical bills." He's yeah. Medicine, yeah. Right. So okay. we know yeah. that he is really mentally ill, really schizophrenic. And then when he gets to the tangent universe, basically he has no form of oh. medication for it. Then. Yeah. God. That makes that makes sense. Because I, I did read somewhere too, and I can't I was just trying to see if I could find it real quick. But like the majority of the film actually takes pla- place in the tangent universe. So it's not the reality, it's not the right. real universe. So yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Huh. <laughs> what about the um the girl, the Swan girl? What part did she play? Gretchen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. She did dance Swan dance. Oh no, you're talking about the like. Uh... Shut up, girl. girl. She was really shy, and everybody made yeah. fun of her. She always had mm-hmm. the headphones or the earmuffs on. She acted like she was tuning in something on these earmuffs. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, she does this beautiful dance in their school play, you know, which is like well, totally not something that would happen in real life. Um, Somebody like her. I, I uh, think it would. I've definitely been in high school where that's happened before. So <laughs> it definitely happens. Um, well, there- I, don't, I don't know because I feel I've, I've heard so many theories about her that seem correct. Um, that she was, you know, another person in the tangent universe that mm-hmm. had somehow died. We just have never seen. Or I think maybe in the director's cut, we do see her die. I can't remember. Um, because but- you said that because I was thinking she wasn't real. She wasn't in real she's life. She's real, but she's, like, that's his... why we see her with the other, like, even with Drew Barrymore's teacher character, like, we see, like, Drew's character point, like, basically give this kind of, you know, pep talk to her. So, like, we, or, like, maybe she doesn't, maybe she, like, smiles or something, like, but something, like, the characters but, all realize she's important to the plot, kind of But thing. was that in the real world, or was that in the... No, that was in the tangent world. Yes. I think I think, I think everything. I don't think it was like all. Co- I don't think it was all like uh, side by side. I do think that they were, everybody was in the tangent universe. Okay. Interesting. Mom, yeah. what did you think about the movie? Just in general, it was crazy. I don't like. <laughs> but you know, Okay, we watched it about 12 times and she slept through 11 of them. Okay, yeah. well, she one time, what I don't know when, what, what, uh, what, uh, watching it was, but she, like, I saw her the next day, she goes, What did I watch? That was a terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> she goes about every movie. 
No, it is a very good movie, and it's a it is. Movie. Well, something I really like about it, where I think a lot of people find confusing, is that no scene really comes to fruition. So right. no scene actually had like it feels like everything's cut. Everything's before you get to a point that it's right. you know on to yeah. the next scene, right. which I think was a really good directorial choice because you feel very uh, like you you're, you can't trust your own mind. Like like was I yeah. supposed right. to see something there? Like what, mm-hmm. like what was I supposed right. to get out of that? That's a good and so way it feels very you, you feel very much like yeah. yeah. You feel you feel yourself like Donnie, where you're losing time, or you don't know what you're supposed to really get out of the point, right. and you don't know what the right. where you're at. Yeah, I did a- see somewhere that um, the director Richard Kelly did state that um, throughout the movie Donnie wasn't hallucinating, and that everything in the movie was real um, to a certain extent, and so um, he did say that life could be of a, a be a dream and that Roberto Sparrow, who was the author, you know, the fictional mm-hmm. author for this movie of the philosopher of time travel was onto something. So I think that was something that um, he was kind of working off of. I mean, the, the philosophy of time travel in this movie is a fictional book. It was made just for this movie. It's not a real book, but I think that's something too, where it was kind of using that book as a, a diving board to kind of tell a story almost. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if it was the director or the author or whoever, the scene at the end where um, mom looks at the girl Mm -hmm. and they just kind of waving each other and they have that like, I should know you kind of look. Mm -hmm. That happened to him in real life. And he remembered that and put that in the movie. Oh. Where he just sees some lady out on the street and they both yeah. look at each other like, you know, like we should know each other somehow or another. But right. they, they just kind of waved and went by and it stuck huh. with them. So he put that in the movie. I didn't realize that. Because I think I thought that was like a, a nod to the fact that obviously both of them die in the tangent universe. So they know basically they like i think the director talked about it everyone who died in the tangent universe even once they come back remembered what happened like basically remembered themselves dying and that's why you see like at the end like frank is covering his eye uh, Mm -hmm. and obviously the two girls waving at each other um so or like and i think even like gretchen's like hearing about the family and like the little boys like oh do you know donnie and she goes she like hesitates and she goes no yeah so like She's like, do I know Donnie? Like, should I say I know Donnie? Right, right, right. She's trying to figure out if she does or doesn't remember. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not sure I have any less questions about the movie. Well, that's right. So right. The I did I read some articles and stuff. So the the director also stated that uh, the majority of the the movie can be construed in any way that you the audience really wants it to right. be. So it's really it's open for interpretation um and um he it, this is a quote that he said he revealed quote that it's not to take away any interpretation that um people have of the film which I think is valid because um the way that it's engineered you can have any interpretation that you want for the first 90% of the movie. That's a, a quote. Um, but the last final 10% of the movie is where um, everything is like set in stone and putting an, he puts it end to the idea that Donnie was dead the entire movie. So that's not um, that. Like, right, I remember not that dead. being a theory. So yeah, so he was not dead, but um, the director did, um, he um kind of like and that's where like the director's cut i read somewhere and i couldn't remember where i saw it because i was looking at it at work um and i didn't take notes on it but um where like the director's cut adds more into like his like real mindset of what he wanted the movie to be like but i did read somewhere too that um he basically said that most audience um or like the people that watch it, the um, a good majority of them, all their theories of the last ten percent of the movie are all wrong. 
Oh. So, yeah. Now you got me going. Yeah. Just when we thought we had it figured out. Right. I really thought that, you know, the world ended. Because, you know, they kept saying so yeah. much. You know, and then it got down to the end. And that's where the plane was crashing. And that's where everything flipped. So yeah. I thought it was the end of the world. He went back and saved the world. I was doing, I don't know because I feel like there was nothing really other other than the like the basically that like little like air pocket t- tornado like nothing else was going on like there wasn't any like big things happening you know and we don't really see what air happened to the plane thing, that was just to get the engine back up and- right but that's what I mean right. so like other than that we don't see the world ending but he literally oh, went up there the last second. how much time is left. But he went up there at the last second, so wouldn't it have, he wouldn't, wouldn't he have seen some kind of, like, you know, big earthquake or big flood, like, we would have seen something. But, I mean, a plane's crash every day. It's not the end of the world. And they mysteriously crash and disappear all the time, so. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. They were all super good actors. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone played their part really, really well. Yeah, they overact, especially those type of movies. There's always people that overact, you know. Yeah, and yeah. I think too. I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal. I looked him up um, just a second ago too. Um, he was in a couple other things, but this, along with October Skies, were like really his like breakthrough, breakthrough. roles. Yeah, and um, well, Maggie Gyllenhaal too. I yeah, was gonna well, say Bubble yeah. Boy. <laughs> that was like 2004. I think I don't know. I don't know. I can look that up. But every time I watch the beginning of Donnie Darko, though, he has like the Bubble Boy hair, where it's like all yes. sticking up, and that's like all I can think about. <laughs> oh, he's been in a lot of really good movies. He's a good actor, but yeah, this was like his like one of his break. The one of the two. Um, October Sky was a really good movie too, but um, yeah, um, for Jake Gyllenhaal. But and then his sister Maggie Gyllenhaal was in it. There, I mean, this was like a really good cast. There's a yes. I forgot that Seth Rogen was in this. I, I know. Show. I thought I forgot show. that he was like the bad guy. Like yeah. he was like one of the bullies. Yeah. Though so I did find it really. I don't know why, but like. I just love this like beginning scene where they're at the school or like the first scene at the school where Seth Rogen and the other guy are openly doing drugs in front of all of the teachers and yeah. not a single person says anything. <laughs> like they're not like sneakily doing it. Like they take a bump like oh, as the teachers are walking by. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. And it's and like the coach- teacher who's like super wow. religious too. Like- so I thought that was so funny. The, the coach mom. I mean, like, yeah, the her. gym coach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know that lady. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that I don't know if I was reading too much into it, but especially with the Jim Cunningham character, we don't see like when he's doing that, like uh, school assembly and mm-hmm. Donnie like freaks out on him. We don't see Donnie really like Donnie finds it funny. Like he doesn't really get mad until Jim starts talking about the bad character, Frank. And right. then we see that like flip in Donnie, like he's automatically really like, he's going to go up and stand and like talk bad about Jim, which of course right. we then later on know, you know, is for a good thing. But I do find like you before that, before he's like, Jim started talking about Frank. Um, he was like laughing and he was like, clearly just like well whatever and that's not a big deal and another part of the movie was um uh this guy is like new to town this lady's introducing him to everybody they have a seminar to you know where he could talk about his program yet he had this big beautiful big mansion in town yeah like, mm-hmm. nobody knew him with a secret <laughs> right. room for all right, of these right, people. right so that was kind of weird Something that wasn't, it was awful on that. Yeah, I agree. But it was hilarious because, especially in the oh, 80s, that kind of thinking, self improvement, mm-hmm. you know, stuff right. was like, 
really rampant. Right. That like, you know, like especially like because it was a, a cure all basically. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh you're right. fat, you're fe- you're fearful. Oh, right. you're you're lonely, you're fearful. Yeah. Uh, so it was like everything was about how you need what to like not be afraid. Like aggressive or what was the two words she had like it was love and fear. Love and fear. Yeah. Love and fear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. I was having some flashbacks to some stuff well, babies. Actually speaking of, did like I I never have caught this before. Like this is again one of those things that I caught just because I watched it again. Was that the cue cards were super racist. Like it was like uh Jose was stealing or cheating. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. then <laughs> Ling Ling, Ling Ling what had trouble in math. And I was like, <laughs> what? I was like, I have never caught that before. Like they were super, super racist. And I was like, oh gosh, the 80s. Well, in the 80s, you could say stuff like that. And it, <laughs> I'm not racist. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> At least in today's world, we just say it. Right. <laughs> you know, even try to cover it up in code words. And yeah. <laughs> I know. don't know. Uh, but yeah, that I found that really strange, and uh, I don't know if it was like purposeful or maybe that movie just didn't age well. I don't know. Like it could be, it could be purposefully racist. It could have been like a little bit of both. What, Probably yeah. purposeful, but today they'd be like, "Oh no, we can't say that." You know, like right, right. Yeah. So it definitely lying. wouldn't fly today. Like, there's a lot of jokes and like TV shows where it's like. You got away with it, and it's funny now, but, like, you probably wouldn't get away with it well, if you tried comedians, to do it now. Yeah. A lot of comedians, like, back in the 80s and stuff, they, they could never say that now. Right. So, and, and maybe, uh, what's his name? Uh, Chappelle. Maybe he's right. We're a little oversensitive. You know, sometimes things are just funny. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's the it's the concept of is it just funny or is it you punching down like is it you making fun of someone lower than you? The difference is you know what the difference is, and I think we've even talked about this before. All in the family, you know, I'm talking about that show. No, I mean I've heard of it. It was from the early '70s, and it had Archie Bunker, who was a total racist bigot, Mm -hmm. and the whole show was about his behavior. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Sammy Davis Jr. lived next door. I mean, it was a character. Um, you know, the um, uh, moving on up to the east side, that show where the couple owned them. These well, are really old shows, and you expect us to know anyways, this. <laughs> anyways, it was total racist show, and everything about it was meant to be racist because your whole point was you were laughing at Archie Bunker, what a jackass he was, you know what I mean? Right. So they could say it. And it went well because the point was, what a, what a jerk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Talking yeah. So everybody else on the show was always, you know, trying to get him. It's like, actually, you can't say that. You know, they're human. Yeah. But he was always, you know, calling them terrible names and stuff. And, yeah. and it was a hit show. It was for many, many, many years. Yeah. Yeah. But go back and YouTube know. some stuff. Um, all of my family. I probably won't watch it. No. Well, just see what I'm talking about. Okay. Okay. And there was a lot of shows like that. <laughs> well, Norman Lear, who wrote that show, he had about five or six shows like that. Maud was one. Um, I wish I could think of the other one where they're moving up to the east side. It was Archie Bunker's neighbors. They were a black couple. So, you know, Archie wouldn't let him in the house or... Edith wasn't allowed to talk to them. And of course they become friends. But Archie, you know, they're always after Archie and he's always after them and stuff like that. But anyways, Norman Lear had a bunch of shows that was really breakthrough at the time because those things were going on in the world. And he said, let's make fun of it, you know. Bring those things to light, but under humor. So anyways. Anyways, back, back to Donnie Darko. Are any black characters in Donnie Darko? I don't think so. I don't think so either, yeah. No. Uh, I think, I, yeah, I think they're, I don't even think there's minorities at all one in that Asian. Movie. There's one Asian character. Is there? 
But what is uh, Link Link or whatever her name was? That, that was a cue card. <laughs> it wasn't a real character. Like I'm trying, like the cue cards, like those, like oh, I mean, the girl, the cute. girl who did the swan dance. Yeah. Oh, I don't think she was eight. What do you think she was? I know maybe she was because they do say they like say go back to China. So yeah, maybe she is. Now that you say that. But she was probably the only minority in town. I don't know. I'd, yeah. It was definitely an early 2000s indie movie. It wasn't. So, like, Andy, the next movies. version they come out with. It's all diverse. It's all going to be diverse. There'll be a gay couple in there for sure. And a mixed, mom and dad will be a mixed race. I'm looking up Jolene Purdy is her name. Oh yeah. Um I'm pretty sure she is of some sort of Asian descent. Oh no. Did she play in anything else? Yeah. Um because the name sounded familiar when I seen it too. And obviously I I like see her. She was in Donnie Darko, some sitcoms, Fox, Do Not Disturb. ABC Family Comedy, 10 Things I Hate About You, which I don't think that that, oh, that only lasted, um, oh, I don't think that lasted very long, but she played um, in eight episodes of that. She was in Judging Amy, Boston Public. She was in Orange is the New Black. And then she was also in Marvel's um, WandaVision. She looks familiar. She was mom. She was in Firefly Lane. What character was she? Or just a new black? Um, Stephanie Hapakuka. Hapakuka. So it looks like looks like she's been like she's like been in a lot of like sitcoms where it's like she's in one or two episodes. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. She wasn't a regular. Yeah, yeah. Um. Under, oh, she was in Under the Dome. I bet you that's why. She was nine episodes in Under the Dome. That's probably what I recognize her from. Um, but I'm not seeing. She was born in California, you know, so on Rondeo Beach. I don't see well, anything about her heritage or descent, but. Well, do you guys feel like you have a clear idea what this movie no. was about? I I think it's up. I like I like it thinking it's up for interpretation. I think it's exactly yeah. like it. You know, what's that movie? Uh, Inception. Like, I think yeah, it's just right. supposed to be up really, for interpretation. Right. Yeah. Um, you see that there's like some kind of a plot, but like you don't really know how it ends. It's, right. I thought it was pretty close until you said only 10% people get the last. No, not 10%. He said um, most of the, the the fan theories of what the movie's about are all wrong. So, but no, 90% of the movie is up for interpretation really, but it's that last 10% that is like, that is what actually happens. It's set in stone. Sorry if that wasn't clear before. Yeah. Okay. But I think that I agree with you, Cassie. There's like it's one of those movies, just like Inception, where you watch it and you see something new each time, yeah. and then it's like it leaves you like thinking, like you know, like in Inception, you know, right. did he did he wake up or is he still sleeping? You never right. know. Well, and I don't know if you guys caught this. This was another thing that I caught this time watching it is. And this is the reason why the director changes the song at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, because get to that, yeah. Because when Donnie is riding through town, you see him pass a red Corvette that is going in the opposite direction, Mm -hmm. and it is Frank's car. So he passes Frank at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And so the reason that the director changed the songs was because in Another Terrorist Apart by NXS, there is lyrics that say two worlds colliding. Yeah. And it, it happens right when they're passing right yeah. when they pass each other. So it is literally two worlds colliding. Yeah, it's your two the two different world uh universes. Ah, yeah. I remember yeah. the scene. I wasn't thinking yeah. about yeah. But yeah, so we see 
like so the thing is we never know frank is human until the like party right. basically right. Right. but he is constantly like his red corvette is constantly driving by donnie he is constantly the human yeah frank is constantly kind of in the background so to let you know that he there's two franks basically the tangent yeah. frank that we see and the t- like the, the yeah in, in the bunny frank basically yeah. what about the um the uh, bubbles that come out and they can go places I think that's his schizophrenia. I think yeah, that it makes part. Yeah. And I think he read it in the book. And it like, so that's happens kind of not often, but it can happen with, you know, schizophrenia or melanoptive daydreaming where you read something and then like that basically like your mind. Yeah. Think it can be it now. So I think that that was just part of his schizophrenia, which, again, I think I saw a theory that he wasn't actually schizophrenic, like he was a medium and that he could actually see like people's souls. And so that's what it was, was people's soul, basically, because it, the, it basically takes you where you're supposed to go. Right. So it's like your soul yeah. leading you to the It point. was leading him somewhere. Yeah. But I do, I think it's his schizophrenia just because of when he first sees it it like gestures for him yeah. to come. Yeah. So I think that was like, a or is he just on drugs this entire time? Right. Well, he, he's supposed to be, but he's not on drugs. No, I mean like hallucinants, like eating some mushrooms. Yeah. <sighs> but yeah, I think it's partially schizophrenia. And I think it yeah. is. Yeah. That the makes rest sense. Of it is. Yeah. That makes so much sense. So what you said about, he was schizophrenic and he was on all these drugs, but now in this alternate universe, they're placebos. Yeah. It's not even real. I see. I don't know if that theory has been like debunked at all. I just kind of heard it on TikTok. I was like looking at videos of people watching the movie and somebody had just mentioned that like, Oh, we know that his drugs were placebo. And I was like, Oh, I didn't know that, but that makes sense. His doctor said you can stop taking those. They're just water. Right. I don't remember that. Yeah. Which I thought, well, that's weird. Why would she? When did she say that, though? I don't know. Then, after that, she calls mom and dad and says, you know, she's really worried about him. You know? Yeah. When he was in her office laying on the bed or the couch, and he got up and was telling some story. And she said, oh, by the way, you can stop taking your medications. They're just placebos, water pills. I don't remember that. That might have been in the director's cut. I didn't watch that director's cut. No, it's on there. It's on there. But then she follows it up. How worried she is. She's trying to contact the parents. She's leaving messages and, you know, how scared she is of him. Right. Well, I also wonder if her hypnotizing him is affecting him because like not like none of the sessions go the way she wants them to right so i wonder if like it's affecting him in a way that she wasn't expecting that's a good point too none of her sessions went positive no right Right. like she had to wake him up every time interesting However you interpret it, this movie's good. I know, yeah. It is definitely a great movie. It's definitely a movie we'll watch 10 years from now. We'll go back and watch it and like, remember this? Yeah, yeah. And if you haven't seen it, sorry for all the spoilers, but go watch it. It's probably wrong. You'll contribute. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm sure you have a different theory. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, D, what do you got to say for yourself? Without your mic on. Without your mic on. <laughs> There you go. People should watch it. It's it's crazy, but it's interesting and has a lot of different views. I mean, are you going to go back and watch it again after we did the show so you can 
I think she's watched it once many times. I'll probably watch it again. See where now that we've had this discussion, kind of look for those parts. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So that would maybe be interesting to get the theories of where it was at. Well, I thought I was done watching it for a while, but now I have to go back and insert. Oh, these yeah, no, now I want to go back and rewatch it <laughs> another time. Yeah. Another time. One more time. One more. Kind of like Zelda. You just, you got, you can't put it down. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a cult. It's a cult. It, it draws you in. And that's the, I guess that's the scary thing. It just, you know, and. Well, it just makes you question everything. Yes. Yeah. Everything you question leads to more questions. Right. Right, like right. what the what Which they is do. Brilliant. Yes, it is brilliant, but I like movies that don't go back and forth, and that you know you have to analyze the movie. But it was good. All right, guys. Anybody have anything else? I don't think okay. so. Okay, all the children are fast asleep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm going to be there too. I am too. I am too. All right, guys. Uh, thanks, thanks everybody for stopping in. Appreciate everybody's support. Please like, share, and give us your uh, thoughts or questions. And push that like button, please. Subscribe button. Subscribe button too. Mm-hmm. And you know what else would be really interesting? Because this is what we're having real trouble with. Let us know where you're listening to us at. Whether it's on iTunes, Amazon, uh, wherever, where you're listening to it. Because that's one of the issues we're having is figuring out we can watch YouTube because some people watch us and we can track them. But other than that, we don't really know who's listening to us or where we can find that out. All right. Everybody happy? Happy. All right. Bye, everybody. See you next week. Bye. See you Bye. next week.